Titus chapter 1 uh, this morning. Let's all stand together as we reverence the reading of God's Word, a series I'm calling Times and Seasons, and today the due time. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due time manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. May God bless the reading of His Word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. We're looking at a series of messages on Sunday morning uh, dealing with the times where God speaks, the eternal God speaks of the times and the seasons. A season, when we're thinking about it biblically, speaks of a collection of times so that if we find ourselves going through a season of suffering, that means that we are experiencing a collection of times of difficulty and suffering, season of joy, a time, a collection of times, times and seasons. When the eternal God speaks to us about time, in fact, when the eternal God speaks to us about anything, we need to pay attention, amen? But when He speaks to us about time, uh, He's speaking to us about something that means so much, so much to us. Our key passage for this series is taken out of the book of Ecclesiastes, that ancient book of wisdom, chapter 3 and verse 1, that says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And this morning then, we're adding in, if we can accept that there is a, a time for every purpose under heaven, then we can also see why the concept of the due time, the right time, the appropriate time comes into play. It's one thing, you see, to know that there is a time for every purpose, but then we struggle when is the right time to go with the right purpose. If we read on in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we'll find that famous collection of all the times and purposes. There's a time to be born, verse 2, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Some of the things in this list we don't have a lot of control over. A time to be born, for example. <laughs> we didn't have a bit of control over that. The first of these, a time to be born, a time to die. I've often said the first is history. We all know what our birthday is. Uh, the second is mystery. A time to be born and a time to die. Some of the things in this list we might rather weren't there if they'd left it up to us. A time to kill, for example. A time to hate time of war. And yet remember, Solomon is writing from his under the sun, S-U-N perspective. He's not 
uh, talking about so much about what comes to us from above, the wisdom that is from above we'll talk about later. He's talking about the under the sun wisdom and he's dealing with the realities of life as he sees them. Some stand out though to us and we can quickly see why there is a need for a discussion of due time, an appropriate time. There's a time, he says, for example, for embracing, for a show or demonstration or display of affection, and a time to refrain from it. Uh, PDA, kind of public displays of affection. We have to be careful about those. A time of embracing. Some of you might like it this way. A time for hugging and a time not to hug. Okay, that's, uh, uh, that's in there. Or how about this one? A time to keep and a time to throw away. Around our house, it seems to always be a time to keep. I keep waiting for that throwaway time, but it, it's, it's coming. You know, you start out with kids, and uh, for a while you try to keep everything your kids ever touch. Every Crayola drawing, everything they bring home from school, every picture, every photograph, you want to record it all and put it up, and I'll tell you what happens to that stuff. It ends up in the attic. <laughs> That's what happens to it. And uh, then you try to get your kids to take it, and they don't want it. I've lived that. I'm living it right now. What do you do with it then? You keep it, of course. It's uh, time to keep. Time to throw away. How about those clothes you outgrew? Hey, I'm going to fit in them again someday. They'll be out of style by then. Listen, there's some overweight people out there that need those clothes or underweight people. Just go ahead and give them to them and reward yourself when you lose weight by going out and buying new stuff. Okay, that's the way that is. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. How about this one? A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Every person on this planet struggles with that one. Many a time, we've been silent when we wish we would have said something. Many a time, we've spoken up and wished we would have kept our mouth shut. I try to make it a constant prayer, as we all should. Uh, Psalm 19 and 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, may the thoughts, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be acceptable to you, God. What a prayer to pray every day. You know what I, how to avoid saying the wrong thing? Don't think about the wrong thing. He put them together for a reason. Uh, if we're meditating on something long enough, Jesus told us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you think the wrong thing long enough, sooner or later you're going to say the wrong thing. It's going to slip, slip out. And so it's not just about what we say, but what we think about that we need to pray about. God, help me not only to say the right things and avoid saying the wrong things, but God, help me to think on the right things. What a prayer. What a prayer. Times and seasons. If there's a time to every purpose under heaven, then it's important for us uh, to understand the right times, due season. 
So as we think about Solomon's under-the-sun wisdom in this passage, let's also think about God as the source of our above-the-sun wisdom and understand that God always moves to do exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. Uh, that is, God always moves in due season. He does exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, God never makes a mistake. Uh, but you know, if you look up the word mistake in a Bible program in the King James Version, you're going to find out that uh, the expression God never makes a mistake is not in the Bible. It's not there. Now, I'm not telling you the concept's not taught. It is. I'm just telling you that's easy for us to say. But if somebody says, well, you know, ever tells you, well, you know, the Bible says God doesn't make any mistakes. If somebody ever asks you for a chapter and verse on that, you're going to be in trouble. So I'm going to give you a chapter and verse. <laughs> Actually, where the Bible does say something like that, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? That is, God does not lie, and God does not ever have to repent and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And so while the actual expression is not there, the Bible is very clear that God is always truthful and He is always right. And so when we think about that He is, is always right and he, he never has to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, uh, then we have a source of wisdom that comes down to us from above that is true and trustworthy and we should listen carefully to the times in when God speaks of due time, appropriate time. We can't speak of all of them this morning. Uh, uh, there's no way to cover them all. And we'll just start in our text there in Titus chapter 1 where he talks about preaching time. And we'll go from there to see a couple of others that God draws attention to as being a due time, due time. In hope of eternal life, then, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching. We add in a couple of quick passages. Matthew's chap Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1 said, In those days John the Baptist came preaching. Uh, that's what Jesus came doing. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching uh, the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. The concept of preaching is found throughout the Word of God. But it's all over the New Testament that God sent men out to proclaim His message. It is full of the concept of preaching and of the message that's being preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says that the wisdom, after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Due time. And one of the things then that the Bible tells us that it's due time for, that it's appropriate for, is the preaching of the Word of God. I understand that preaching is under fire these days. That's not anything new. It is hated by the unbelieving world and uh, by the people who've determined to live their life without the Word of God and without that anchor of what God says is true and right. They don't believe the Word of God. They don't want to hear it. That's nothing new. 
In the Old Testament, there was a wicked king by the name of Ahab who was married to an even more wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. The Bible would tell us about Ahab. There was none likened to Ahab who stirred himself or who sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. That was Ahab. There was none like unto Ahab. Evil, wicked King Ahab and his evil wife, Jezebel. In those dark times, God called a preacher. His name was Elijah. And he sent him to him, to, to the king, to deliver a message. And 1 Kings 18, 17 says this, It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, that is the preacher, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And don't miss uh, the concept that's being presented here. Here was Ahab, wicked king, looking at the preacher, Elijah, and said, you're the one causing all the trouble. You're the source of all of the problem in our nation. It's all your fault. But Elijah responded, no, it's not my fault. You're the one who troubled Israel because you have led this nation to embrace the Baals, uh, plural, Balaam. Baal was a Canaanite god. Uh, he was found uh, uh, also worshipped by the Phoenicians. Uh, 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 their concept of him was of an all-powerful uh, divine being, but uh, he was manifested in all kinds of ways. They worshipped him in all kinds of ways. Uh, some of them would make idols of him. Some of them thought of him as the fire god. They had all kinds of manifestations of Baal and all kinds of things that were built around him. What we need to understand is that when Ahab said, I am worshiping the Lord, his Lord was Baal. You read over in the book of Hosea chapter 2, you'll find out that by that time, they had been so confused for so long about who God was, that they began to call the God of Israel, Baal. And God had to rebuke them by the prophet Hosea, said there's going to come a time when you will no more call me my Baal. I want us to get that in our minds. It's possible, you see, for God's people to lose uh, their sight of who God is. And it's really not that hard to do. All we have to do is turn away from His Word, and then we make God be whatever we want Him to be. And inevitably, it becomes something like the Baals. I think a lot of that's happening in America today. I hear a lot of people talking about God, about how they worship God and pray to God. But the God they serve apparently sanctions the killing of babies. I'm going to tell you, the God of our Bible, the God who's revealed Himself through Jesus Christ, does not sanction the murder of babies. That's Baal. Baal loved child worship. Yes, that's how they worship the Baals. That's Him. That's not God. They claim to worship God, and yet uh, their God sanctions all kinds of sexual immorality and promiscuity. God doesn't do that, not to God of Scripture, but Baal does. He always did. 
The God of Scripture doesn't manifest Himself as a creation to be worshipped in a plethora of equally valid representations. That's not God. That's Baal. See, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And when Israel turned away from the true God to worship Baal, they looked at the man God sent to him to preach the truth as their greatest threat. When in fact, the preaching of the gospel is the only means of salvation for any nation, any people, is to embrace the truth of God in Jesus Christ. But let's remember this morning that preaching isn't just about what happens in pulpits. You see, we're talking about how that it's a time for preaching. It's due time for God to manifest His Word through preaching. And that's not only what happens here on Sunday morning when I stand up to do it, although I am very thankful for the opportunity. I can't imagine a world without a Sunday uh, where I couldn't get up and preach the Word of God and teach God's Word. I, I don't want to think about it. But there's more to it than that. Psalm 107 and verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom of all for all to be testified, to be testified, to be testified in due time. It's time. It is time for us as God's people to speak God's truth in our generation. Now, if God called you to preach, then you need to surrender to preach. If He's called you to be a missionary to a foreign land, then you need to let us know so we can send you. If He hasn't, then He's got you right where He wants you. And with the people that are in your circle of influence and the places where you go, it is time, it's due time for us to speak the Word of God. It's appropriate. The time is now. It's the right time to share the message of the gospel. So if there's a preaching time that's due time, and there is, there's also an exalting time that's pointed out for us in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger, he says, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. There it is, in due time. In due time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Now, there's a, a lot of class warfare going on in our world today, not so much between the traditional haves and have-nots as it is a day of uh, difficulty between generations. Uh, this is nothing new. It may surprise you that uh, when I grew up back in the uh, 1960s, late 60s, and came of age then in the 1970s, uh, we talked a whole lot back then about the generation gap. Uh, we felt like as teenagers that the old people didn't understand us. And you know what? They didn't. And you know what? Now I'm on the other side of that fence. And uh, the young people don't think the older folks understand them, and they really don't. I just don't, you know, it's just generation after generation after generation, this thing plays out. 
but it has worked its way in a into the church today uh, that uh, is a little unusual, I have to say. It can't be all that unusual because Simon Peter, all the way back in the New Testament, was telling, now you younger folks, listen, he said, uh, submit yourselves unto your elders. But then he very quickly uh, expanded that instruction. Yea, he said, yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Now, if he would say that to all of us, then while it is important, and he singles out how the young people need to submit themselves unto the older, he also very quickly then spoke to all of us, and that would include the older, and how that we all need to submit to one another and be clothed with humility. Why is that important? Uh, because... Uh, younger people need to consider and submit themselves to what older people think and know. And older people uh, need to consider and submit themselves to what younger folks think and know. We all need to consider each other. Sub that's what that whole concept of submitting to one another is concerned. Humility comes into play because unless we're very careful, both young and old, will begin to devote themselves in church to what I want. When church is not about what I want, church is about what God wants. And that's why it's important, you see, for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And if the young folks are right, God has a way of exalting them in due time. Give it time. Be submissive, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due time, He will exalt you. If the older folks are right, in due time, God will exalt them. And in all these things, we humble ourselves to God because we're most of all concerned that He has His way because God is always right. Young people aren't always right, and old people aren't always right either. But God is always right. We humble ourselves unto Him. And in due time, then, God will exalt us. He'll bless us if we'll humble ourselves and submit ourselves one to another. There's a preaching time. In due time, God manifests His Word through preaching, and we're in it. It's exalting time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, He'll exalt you. The last one we're going to look at this morning is salvation time. Verse 6 of chapter, of chapter 5 in the book of Romans, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Paul would say in his own personal testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. One born out of due time. Many commentaries have pointed out, and it's true, that Paul considered himself to have been born prematurely, as a premature birth. And uh, many have tried to explain exactly what that means, but I can't say that, except that it was due time. I was born out of due time. 
Perhaps he considered himself as all of Israel to have been numbered among those of Israel who rejected Christ, but who one day would see him and believe on him. And that's exactly, of course, what happened with Paul. When he had that encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he heard those incredible words, I am Jesus whom thou persecutes. He was saved by that personal revelation of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why he considered himself to have been born prematurely. I don't know. But there is a due time. There was a due time for Christ to come into this world. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of Son. When the fullness of time was come. Jesus Christ was not late. He was not early. He came exactly on time. And there is a due time for salvation. You said, well, when is it time to be saved? I'm glad you asked that because uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 tells us, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. An accepted time. Oh, I love 1 Corinthians, or Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 because it tells us that Christ died for the ungodly. You see, it's so popular in today's world to say that Jesus Christ only died for the elect, but you know, that that's not what this passage says. It says He died for the ungodly. Ungodly. Anybody here this morning, don't raise your hand. Anybody here remember the uncola? Besides me. I remember the uncola. The uncola was 7-Up, by the way. That was an old... Uh, advertising plan, uncola meant that it was not a cola. Uh, I, I looked that up just to make sure it was on the right time, and I found out something about 7-Up, that at one time it actually, until 1938, contained lithium. That's a truth, apparent, according to Wikipedia. Uh, and, and then I decided, because, you know, this is just the way my mind works, I said, well, you know, I've always heard that Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. I looked that up, and, you know, Wikipedia said at times it did. Uh, I can't even imagine what Dr. Pepper had in it at one time. <laughs> Man. <sighs> All right, let me get back on track here. <laughs> Walk on it back. Uncola. There it is. Ungodly. Not godly. Without God. Those are the ones Christ died for. Jesus didn't just die for good people or religious people. In fact, he specifically said during his ministry that I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We might think that uh, Jesus only offers salvation to good people, but let me tell you something. The message of the Bible is there are no good people. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have experienced the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the incredible message of salvation. And the time, according to the scripture, the due time is today. You know what the day of salvation never is? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
Only God knows how many people are going to end up in hell because they responded to the message of the gospel by saying, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Some other time. Today is the day of salvation. Has there been a time in your life where you understood that you as a sinner were under the condemnation of God? You were facing an eternity in a place the Bible called hell. And yet in that you heard the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners. Hey, I like that. I'm one of them. And that he would take all of your sin and put it on Jesus Christ and take all of his righteousness then and put it on you. He would make you whole through Jesus Christ. He would save your soul through Jesus Christ. And all it takes is to trust Him. Only trust Him. Whosoever believeth in Him, John 3.16 says, should not perish but have everlasting life. The time when the Spirit is moving, when God is calling, the accepted time. Is now due time of salvation. So I want to wrap this up for us this morning then with a couple of quick thoughts and we'll be done. Uh, under the sun, wisdom tells us that there's a time to every purpose under heaven. We know that. Instinctively, we know that. There is a time to speak and a time to be silent. There's a time to show affection. There's a time to restrain ourselves. There Unfortunately, is a time of war, just like there's a time of peace. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. It's a time for throwing stones, a time for gathering them up, a time for planting, and a time for harvesting. We know these things. We know these things. What we need is the above-the-sun wisdom that tells us when is the right time. When is the right time. I want to be more on the due time side of things. We don't want to be that person who's out there dancing when it's time to be grieving. We don't want to be that person. We want to be on the due time side of things. And if we're going to need to do that, then we're going to have to heed what James chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us. And that is, if any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. We need wisdom from above. We need the wisdom to know when it's time to speak and when it's time not to speak. And that means we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We need to begin our days with prayer so that we will know what is the due time the due season. Some of you this morning may be in a season of difficulty because of when you spoke when it was time to be silent. You may be in a season of difficulty because you threw away something. Maybe some relationship when it was time to hold on to it. You may be in a season of difficulty today because you loved something. You should have hated. Or you set out to get when it was time to give. I've got good news for you today. God knows where you are. 
good friend of mine likes to say, God knows your address. <laughs> he knows mine too. He knows where you are. If you're in a season of difficulty because you made the wrong choice, you did the wrong thing, or maybe even because you did the right thing, but you did it at the wrong time, God knows it. And when we'll humble ourselves to God and cry out for not that under the sun wisdom, we've got that. But that above the sun wisdom, the wisdom that comes from the one who always does the right thing at the right time. Maybe it's time for us to cry out to God. God, I need your help. I'm in a mess and we both know it's of my own making. God, I don't know how to get out of it. I need to know what's the right thing to do at the right time. Under the sun, wisdom leaves us with what I'll call this morning a shot in the dark. A shot in the dark. Just throw it out there and see how it turns out. That's not how I want to live. Going forward, new year, new focus, new life. Going forward, let's humble ourselves under the hand of God and say, God, I want to live this year saying the right thing at the right time, doing the right thing at the right time. I need your leadership and your help. Would you pray that prayer today? Maybe this morning, that begins in a very specific area today. Maybe you've never been to that time of salvation, never received Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never followed Him in baptism. Maybe God's leading you to be a part of this church family. You need to make that decision, that choice. Oh, when God is convicting you, and He does that by His Holy Spirit of a decision, a choice, a specific task that we need to follow Him in. We need to be careful. Because the Bible tells us today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. He that being often reproved and stiffens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Would you listen to God today? Do what he's leading you to do, whatever that is. Let's stand together, please.